Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan the Goose Gosker, here with you, as always. If you keep a track at home, or even if you're not, this is episode 65 of the Air It Out Podcast. Again, we talk about it all the time, how crazy it is to think back to episode one, when we did our first ever mock draft that we put out to the public, and here we are at episode 65, slowly climbing our way to episode 100 when we hit triple digits. Now, we talk about every episode, player, certain player. I'm going to go with the Damian Woody episode. Damian Woody famously played for the New England Patriots and the New York Jets. Uh, Woody played college at Boston College. He was drafted as a center by the Patriots in the first round, 17th overall in 1999. I was precisely one years old. Uh, There you go. There's your fun fact. But Damian Woody uh, of the New York Jets, which is where he's famous from, and then uh, Damian now works at ESPN, is on a lot of the football shows, and is a key analysis for them. I got my co-host in the in the booth with me today, Jolan Bioko. Jolan, what's up, dude? Number 65. I'm going to have to go with uh, Gary Zimmerman, Minnesota Viking, former Denver Bronco, seven-time Pro Bowler, member of the 80s and 90s All-Decade team, offense tackle Gary Zim. Also one of three players from the USFL to be named to the Pro Football Hall of Fame along with uh, Reggie White and Steve Young. So there it is. Is that the uh, cousin of Mike Zimmer, the former head coach now of the Minnesota Vikings? No, no. this is Gary Zimmerman. No, oh, all right, Zimmerman. All right, we'll make that one pretty clear. Joel, we got a lot to talk about. We did a lot last week with Moltner here, and, and we talked about a lot. But sports world just never fails. The sports world never fails, and it never disappoints. Is That's the phrase I was looking for. It never disappoints, so let's get right into it this week. So yeah, we're going to be covering the NFC West. Obviously, we were the AFC West last year. So this week, we bring it to the more, uh, I want to say, less developed NFC West. Because last year, this was the juggernaut division. Now it's looking more like their counterpart, the AFC West, the juggernauts. Let's start with uh, the Seattle Seahawks. They're at a 5.5 win-loss as a Vegas insider. Last season, they were at 7. What do you think? Seattle, 5.5. I'm going to call this, and and we'll get to this team a little bit later, I'm going to call this the Call of Duty uh, division. And we'll talk about Kyler Murray there in a little bit with the Arizona Cardinals. Five and a half is tough, Jolon, right? They've got Drew Locke, who, you know, listen, I, he's not great. They're going to run the football like they usually do. Uh, they still got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but they've got a rebuilding defense. I'm going to go under. I think they really struggle. They may get to five just because they're – they're tough and they're gritty under Pete Carroll, but I think for that, for that, it, that's pretty much it. Like, I, there's not a lot of buzz with the Seattle Seahawks going on right now. Now, do you see Drew Locke as more of a bridge player? Yes. Or is this a prove-it year? No, this is he's a bridge quarterback. I think we've seen enough of Drew Locke in this league. And guys, remember, like, the goal of every team is to win a championship. Now, obviously, not every team can win a championship every year. But if you if you have a quarterback that is not going to win you a championship. And this is the problem, Joel, I have with Giant fans. I want to see if Daniel Jones can do it. Yeah, that's great. I want to see if little Timmy, the four-year-old, can build his first Lego set. But it's not going to bring me home a championship. That's what I'm trying to get at. Even if Daniel Jones is the guy, goes out and has an MVP season, he's not going to win a, a Super Bowl. Therefore, you got to move on. And I think it's the same thing with Seattle. They know Drew Locke isn't going to bring them a title, but they're rebuilding. And who knows, maybe he gets good and some other team takes a shot on him like, uh, I don't know, a la Matt Flynn back when you know back when he went to Seattle and then they drafted Russell in the same draft. Hopefully that doesn't happen to Drew Locke, but maybe something like that where he plays well on a garbage team and somebody else takes a shot on him as a backup quarterback. 
Now, do you think the Seattle team is years away from competing, or are they only a quarterback away from getting into the playoff picture? No, they're years away from competing. That defense needs a lot of work. That defense has fallen from the heavens of where they once were, obviously, with the Legion of Boom. But they get rid of Bobby Wagner now, too. And that's, you know, Bobby's the heart of that defense. You ask the Legion of Boom, Bobby Wagner's the heart of that defense. He's making the calls. He's making sure everybody gets lined up. So there's there's some time away, and I think they're a new head coach and a new GM away because I can't see Pete Carroll sticking around for a rebuild at his advanced age. Yeah, he's almost in his 80s, so we'll keep an eye on that as well. We move on to Arizona right now, the most beautiful state in America. Cardinals, 8.5. Last season was 11. Kyler Murray contract issues. DeAndre Hopkins is out for six games. What do we think here? Is that proven? Is that the most beautiful state in this country? No, absolutely not. It's certainly the hottest state in this country. Way better than New Jersey. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's... You know, depending on who you talk to, it doesn't really take a lot uh, to get over Jersey. Uh, it's certainly one of the hottest states in the country. You said eight and a half? Is that I what, said, is that what Vegas? eight and a half, and last season they were at 11. Clearly some downside. Yeah, I. this is tough, right? And this is kind of where I see some similarities in the divisions, Jolan. We talked about last week, some team can't win 11 games in that, in that division. So it, it's just impossible. It, it just won't happen. And I think the Cardinals are that team in this division. I think they win eight games. I think maybe that's good enough for the seventh um, playoff spot, especially in the NFC, which we know is the weaker of the two conferences. But I don't think it's a great year because we know that the Arizona Cardinals are great at faltering in the second half seasons. And what what have you shown me that's going to make me believe anything else? Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, by all senses of any type of relationship, are beefing, bro, if we're using 2022 slang. They're beefing, bro. I mean, he said, I let Kyler Murray call his plays just because he needs to know how how hard it is to do. Okay, what are you proving a point for? This You guys have to get it done. Kyler Murray, we talked about the uh, Call of Duty division. I mean, this guy, they, they, ran, a, they ran a simulation or uh, statistical analysis on how he plays on weeks that Modern Warfare has double XP out there. And he's significantly worse. The guy is spending too much time in video games. He's a video game, basically, he's a video game character in real life, the way he can scramble around. But D-Hop missing those first six games, that's hard, man. And D-Hop's had some injury issues, too. Let's not forget, last year he missed a lot of the season due to injury. So even though he'll come back, in theory, for the last 11 games... How healthy is he going to be for those 11 games? And that's the big question. Do you like the acquisition of Marquise Brown in the offseason? Obviously, coming from Lamar Jackson, not the best passer in the league, obviously, the NFL MVP. Right. So I'm not going to knock anything. But now in a more passing offense, do you think Marquise Brown has what it takes to really shine in the league? Well, I think he's going to have a, at least a good start to the year um, with, with D-Hop out. And listen, he's a great addition because he's a replacement for Christian Kirk, who, you know, we all kind of saw got overpaid to go to Jacksonville and so Marquise is a much cheaper option, and you're right. Maybe it's a more passing heavy. He's that take-the-top-off-the-defense kind of guy. So it's really going to shine, hopefully, especially when they get him back. Uh, they've got A.J. Green, I still I believe, out the, still out there Rondell wide. Moore. Yeah, Rondale Moore. James so Connor in the backfield. James Connor in the backfield. Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz, a tight end. They acquired him last year. So once they get that all together after six games, hopefully, barring any, you know, any injuries, that should look good, and Marquise should excel in that offense, and I hope he does. I really hope he does. They're a fun team to watch, man. When they're clicking that first half of last year and the year before and the year before and the year before, they're a fun team to watch. 
They're an awful team to watch when they stink in the back half of the season. They're the in-season hard knocks, by the way, so that's going to be very, very interesting. They better hope they don't have a meltdown this year because it's going to, it's going to, we're going to see, we're going to see why nationally. And Cliff, notoriously for winning a bunch of games early, let's see if he can get it done this year because if he doesn't, they will be in some deep waters. Yeah. Let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers. This year, Vegas doesn't know too much about how good or bad they'll do because they're only set at nine and a half. Last season they were at uh, ten, and now incoming Trey Lance. What do you do? Nine and a half, San Francisco 49ers. This is hard, and this is one of the few, Jovan, that I, you know me, I try to go off of what's going on, who the players are, who I know, who I like, all that kind of stuff. This is going to be a reputation pick. I'm going to go over. Um, I think they get to 10 or 11. This is just, I think their system is good enough that Trey Lance's struggles will not be what another quarterback's would be. Right, so meaning, meaning, Kyle Shanahan. Right, so in theory, like just say you know we know Las Vegas got a new Josh McDaniels came in, right? Say they had a second year quarterback. Say they moved on from Derek Carr, Moltner. They're not actually doing it. Don't panic. Don't jump through the screen. But I'm saying, like, if they were bringing in a new quarterback, I'd be concerned. That's a whole new system. It's a passing type system. I think with Kyle Shanahan's run game and the schemes he comes up with. Trey Lance is only going to have to, and we saw Jimmy do it. Jimmy got him to a Super Bowl. You just have to make anywhere between five to ten throws a game that are, I wouldn't even say top tier. You just have to make the right play five to ten times a game, and you're going to be taken care of. I think that defense is starting to get a little bit better here uh, as they move away from the Robert Sala uh, era. We'll see Nick Bosa. Hopefully he gets back to his A-plus form. But, Jolan, I just think that system, and I think what Kyle Shanahan, the pressure he can take off of Trey Lance will allow Trey Lance to not necessarily struggle as much as we would see other second-year quarterbacks or first-year quarterbacks that will be first-year starting. Now, what are the expectations right now for the 49ers fan base, and what should they be for the GMs around the league? Is this another team that can compete for the Super Bowl? I think this is a team, I think this is a team that can compete to get to the NFC Championship game. Um, I think they have that type of roster that type of talent, that type of aura around them. And, again, I think Trey Lance, you know, I I would say the NFC Championship. Normally I would say the playoffs. With a first-year quarterback coming in, I would say the playoffs. I would have said that Mahomes' first year starting, obviously, because we didn't know how good he was. Oh, yeah. Um, I would say just get into the playoffs with that first-year quarterback. But I think I think with the way they've built it, and I think Trey Lance is still going to make some plays that make us say, wow. And so any addition and any bonus for that, I think they're good. So I think, you know, I think they could expect to get to the playoffs and they should be demanding them go, you know, to at least the NFC Championship game. We Once again. On to our fourth and final team, the reigning world champions of the world. The Los Angeles Rams are set at 10.5. Last season they were set at 12. Rams lost some parts this year. Odell Beckham, Von Miller. Does this Rams team have what it takes to repeat? And what do you think? Ten and a half, Los yeah, Angeles Rams. Yeah, this is hard, and this hinges so much on the health of Matthew Stafford. And, you know, we've seen he's got elbow tendonitis or something. Uh, just not what you want to be hearing from guys that are throwing. Uh, if an offensive lineman tells you he's got elbow tendonitis, you generally, like, give it one rub and a slap and tell him to get back out there. But, uh, obviously, with a thrower of the football, that's a lot different. And the reigning Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, and that's... That's hard, man, and we know we know how much Von Miller is a loss. We saw it in Denver, um, how much they you know how much they miss him, and how much of a situational pass rusher 
uh, he will become. Now, like I said, they play in the easier conference, and i got to pick somebody to win the division. So I'll take them over to get to 11. I don't think they get back to 12. But, Jolan, this is one of those picks where I'm saying what I'm saying, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they fell off uh, this Whoa. year. They, they run through injuries. Uh, they run through, obviously, bull, you know, bullet on bullet bullseye, excuse me, bullseye on, uh, on the back or on the front of your chest. So this is a team that it. there's a lot of teams, Jolan, I think you could say, well, they could get anywhere between 8 and 11 wins. This is a team to me that's got a really big gap. This team, to me, can win 11-12. This team could win seven just based on injuries and how, you know, do they have that Super Bowl hangover? We'll see. They still got Aaron Donald, right? Yep. They still got the greatest, you know, what people are calling the greatest defensive player of this generation. You know, he's he's still out there. So, What do you think about now they brought in Allen Robinson from yep. Chicago? They still have the best receiving, the corpse, if you will, yeah. the leader of being Cooper Cup. Do you think Cooper Cup can repeat what he did last year? Do you think Allen Robinson makes a gigantic impact? Well, and that's the thing, right? So, Joanne, you know me. My my best subject in school, even though I didn't like it as much, was math. And so when you're adding pieces together, right, you're looking for the little bit that Odell gave him plus what Cooper Cup gave you massive year and take that sum, right? I think this year with the addition of Allen Robinson, he's been much more durable than Odell, and I think he's been more reliable um, obviously, you can argue about the Baker thing. Allen Robinson hasn't really had a quarterback either. Correct, and he's put up big numbers. So I think the sum, John, maybe Cooper Cup comes back down out of you know out of Pluto and comes back down to Mars. But the sum of what they both can give you, I think, can equal what they got out of their receiving core last year. So uh, to me, that's basically a wash. But it's going to be on the health of Matthew Stafford. How is that elbow? Can he throw? Is it something like he can't throw more than 35 yards downfield? How does that affect everything? That's the big question mark. It's a big question mark on that team. Like I said, huge swing. They could win 12, or in my eyes, they could win 7. And that's you know that that's a huge gap uh, in the NFL. But we'll see. They're the reigning Super Bowl champs. So until somebody knocks them out, they are those champs. And you get Cam Akers back with uh, Daryl Henderson yep. over there. So the running game should help Matthew Stafford. Maybe a little bit, not throw 500 that's the goal. times in the season. But well, that is what it is. NFC West, you have the Rams winning, I believe, with 11 wins. Yep. Everybody, I think, either Cardinals, 49ers, and the Seahawks all decline in win total you have. Yeah. From last year. Well, but yeah, what did I have? What, what was the 49ers again? You had the 49ers, 9.5. Yeah. Just over. At 10. Yeah. So they would equal their win total from last year, yep. right? So, uh, yep. And then, yeah, I've got the Cardinals declining, and then the C- I think the Seahawks took obviously. Listen, you lose a guy like Russell Wilson, and I know he didn't play well last year. I know he's hurt, but it, you lose a guy like that. He's your franchise. You're going to lose a lot of fans, too, by the way. So I don't know if Century Lake is necessarily going to be the same home field uh, atmosphere as it has been in years past. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm sticking with. That wraps up the NFC West, and we will obviously continue as the season progresses. I think we got two more divisions, two more weeks. We got the South. Yep. The South of each uh, of each conference. So. Yeah, we'll go into that, obviously, within the next coming weeks. But there's more news around the NFL. Watson, back in the headlines. What about what what has happened now this time with Deshaun Watson, Goose? Yeah, so the NFL and the, I believe it's the attorney of the NFLPA that is representing Watson, uh, have agreed to a, a punishment settlement, basically, and, and Deshaun Watson will be suspended 11 games 
and find $5 million. That $5 million is going to go to charity, I believe, of sexual assault survivors um, or those that have struggled with sexual assault or domestic violence, I believe. Um, but either way, it's going to a good cause. But I don't want that to make it seem like I'm okay with the punishment because I'm not. And I think, you know, Joel and we were talking about this on the ride over here. We've been talking about it all week. 11 games sets him up for week 13 to come back in Houston against the Texans. It's going to be the most watched Texans game of all time, and they were in the playoffs a couple years ago. It's going to far eclipse that. And they may sell out that stadium, man. And it's sickening. It's disgusting. It's I, I told you, I thought, and, you know, with our our friend Zach Kruk and, and Moltner, we were talking about this. I thought this was Goodell's hallelujah moment. This was his, I'm going to flip the script on how we deal with these things and move on. And he gave it over to Attorney General Peter C. Harvey. And heck, the guy didn't even get to render a decision. They already agreed on a settlement. So I want to, I honestly, Joan, maybe, uh, maybe we got to dig the interwebs, see if we can get Peter C. Harvey to do an interview for us, but um, which would be interesting. But, Jolan, it's just, it was never going to be enough. I think Moltner said it. And you want to say, you want to say he did none of these? Be my guest. You want to say they're all accusations? He still violated the NFL's conduct policy, not once, not twice, not three times, no, 24 different times. Okay, he's violated the conduct policy. And so he colluded with his former team to do it. I don't right. want the Texans off the hook either. Right. And the Texans, you know, like we talked about, the Texans are, fortunately, they look like the winners here, you know, because now he's, you know, and like I said, they're going to sell out that stadium. Uh, it's going to be the most talked about football game all year. But you know what, Joel? At the end of the day, the NFL just doesn't care. They just don't because the product is going to still be there. The attendance is still going to be there. The audience is still going to be there. And most importantly, the money is still going to be there. Now, the That's what matters. The most important question now yep. is, is that 11 games, do you truly believe that was implemented so he could return week 13 against um, the Texans. I do. I do believe that that was the intent of the settlement. With that being said, why wouldn't it be 12 games if they play week 13? Uh, because they have a bye week, week 12. We I, be- I believe the Browns have a bye week going into that Texans game. So it, should, it set them up even better. Like, come on, this is ridiculous. Uh, the NFL's got to get it together. They've been awful with this forever. But as we've talked about, Jolan, they, they get to the point where we're close enough to the season, so once they announce the decision, whether you like it or not, it's going to go away in two weeks because football starts back up. And then that's it. That's going to be the end of the discussion. So it's, it, it, is a, it is a really bad week, um, I think, from the NFL and, and a PR standpoint, and I wish that wasn't my 900th time saying that statement. I so. hate to say it because it makes this incident make, look minute, but it's almost the burden of the beast the NFL sees it as. They move on, they have a fresh product out a couple of weeks, and it's off their hands. It's almost disgusting, if you ask me. Yeah, and the league, you know, the league didn't want to get sued by Watson because everything that we heard, Joel, on was Watson's camp was coming with the hammer for the NFL owners. And we know the NFL owners have acted sketchy for long, you know, Daniel Snyder being king, uh, sitting up top on that throne. Dolphins last year. Dolphins with Stephen Ross. They don't, they don't want that dragged because it's all about protecting the shield. That's all it's about uh, with the owners and Cadell. Like I said, he had his chance to be a hero, and he declined it. And honestly, in my eyes, I don't ever trust him to make a smart PR decision 
uh, moving forward. Now, away from the optics of it, right. what does this mean for the Cleveland Browns? 11 games is a long time without your star quarterback and a roster ready for the playoffs. Yeah, it's hard, right? You know, the rumor's been going around that they should maybe look to trade for Jimmy G. Uh, I just can't see them doing that. I think they give up too much, and it would be another $25 million on your salary cap, which I don't think they can really absorb, but it's ridiculous nonetheless for a guy that after 12 weeks is your backup. And you're already paying Jacoby Brissett a good amount of money to be your backup. Now he's going to be your starter. Got to hold down the fort. Got to hold down the fort, try to go 500, and uh, and go from there. Nick Chubb obviously going to be a crucial part of that offense first 11 weeks. Fantasy owners. Going to get about 700, 700 carries probably in those first 12 weeks. And Kareem Hunt has requested a trade out of Cleveland. So what's this mean for Kareem Hunt? Uh, they denied the request. Um, basically, you know, Joe Sy, if you're listening to this podcast, first of all, you should give us a shout-out. Second of all, this is how you handle trade requests. Third of all, small money donation maybe? Right, right. <laughs> But uh, and go go yell bulldogs, Josiah. Uh, but no, nonetheless, Jolan, this is uh, they denied the request. They're not going to trade them. There's not really a market for running backs. We've talked about the value of running backs have gone. You know, I, I'm not going to say the position's going extinct like the dinosaurs, but the the value sure is. And uh, so I don't think they were going to get adequate value back. And so they're like, we're going to keep you, and we're going to keep our two back system, which is. One of the best in the league. And Nick Chubb, right after that request, came out and said, they did an interview, I think it was on NFL Network, and uh, he said, they said, what you know? do you have any advice for the Cleveland front office? He said, do whatever you got to do to keep my brother here. Uh, and, you know, him and Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt has a checkered pass, too. You know, we're talking about the Browns are starting to, the Browns are starting to mold themselves into teams like the Raiders uh, from years past and the Cowboys in just taking these guys that are just, abusers, sexual assaulters, creeps, weirdos, all this kind of stuff. So There's bad PR around some guys who are signing. It's what it is at the end of the day. And like, Cleveland fans, stop with the, you guys just don't want to see our organization succeed. The massage stop. is ridiculous, by the way. It, it, Any Cleveland fans listening, disgusting. It, it's, disgusting. It's really, it's really, really bad. This is one of those moments, Joel, and we talk about it. You hear about it in politics all the time. Sometimes the best thing you could do is just shut your mouth. And with the Cleveland fan base right now, you should have just dug yourself in a hole and just hid from this entire story because nothing you are going to say to defend him is going to make anything lighter on you or your fan base or your organization. So, uh, yeah, Jolan, it's just a disgusting situation. If anything, you become a super villain talking like that, so it's ridiculous. On the other side of the flip coin now, Baker Mayfield leaves Cleveland. Yep. Wins the starting job in Carolina. What's this mean for the Panthers? What's this mean for Darnold, especially? Well, Darnold, I think it's, you know, we kind of knew. I, I thought, at least anyway, Baker was going to start over Sam Darnold. Um, I was listening to some stuff on Fox this past week, Fox Sports, that is. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm getting close uh, to this whole Baker chip on his shoulder thing. I mean, guy, you were the number one overall draft pick. You won the Heisman. Like, this whole, like, you're still doubted thing. It's got, it's got to stop. You're not 19. you you got to stop. It's an overplayed game at this point. And Baker Mayfield's got to go out there and succeed because Jolon, Matt Corral, who they drafted from Ole Miss, I believe in the third round or fourth round, unfortunately had a bad foot injury at season ending. Jolon, that might be the best thing for him. He's going to let these two guys play out, and if they both stink, they get rid of them, and here comes Matt Corral to the rescue next year. So 
Baker Mayfield's got to play well. And by well, Jolan, he doesn't have to complete 75% of his passes. He's got to be accurate, okay? And, you know, again, if his receivers start dropping passes, that's their problem. But he's got to be accurate. He's got to be on time, and he's got to show us that pre-injury Baker who we all know and love. Does Christian McCaffrey boost Baker's moxie, if you will, or not even moxie because he has a ton of it, his actual gameplay? Does this someone he can rely on now that's durable? Well, not really durable, but explosive enough to win football games without the quarterback play being phenomenal? Yeah, for the first six minutes of the first game that he's healthy for. I mean, that's, you know, unfortunately that's Christian McCaffrey's downfall, and... It stinks, right? Because we've seen the talent that Christian McCaffrey is. We saw it in college. Uh, we talked to Matt Moran. Peak for peak, one of the best runners of the football. We talked Matt Moran back when he was at Stan- uh, at Stanford. He coached Christian on special teams when he was a freshman. You knew this kid was special. The problem is he just can't stay healthy. And I think Jolon right now, I can't really look at him as an asset. And I think anything he does in my eyes is a bonus. Because, unfortunately, it just seems like year after year he's going to get hurt within the first game or two, and then it sets off a whole year of injuries. So, uh, unfortunately not. It, when he's out there, yes, it'll take some of the pressure off of Baker, and he'll be a good check-down option, obviously. But if he's not out there, he's pretty useless. More injury updates around yep. the league. Zach Wilson back to New York. What do we got on that? Yeah, Zach Wilson avoided Jet fans, Shafe, Robbie Myers, some of our good friends, uh, Nico, Ronnie. You know, he had the best meniscus surgery you could possibly have. Uh, Jolan, that is a trimming down of the meniscus. So simply just think of... Uh, Quick shave. Th- yeah, think of a nail nail filer. Uh, they just basically file down your uh, meniscus. And you're back out there in two to four weeks. I've had that injury, one on each knee, and uh, that's that's the best-case scenario because if they had to sew it back together, Jolon, he's out four to six months, and that's the season right there. So uh, Zach Wilson, two to four weeks. They said they're not going to rush him back till he's 100%. I'll tell you, two weeks out, two and a half weeks out, he's going to feel 100%, and it's just when do they want to bring him back. Their schedule is so front-loaded. With great defenses, Jolan, I don't really know when you bring him back. I was about to segue right into that. Joe Flacco is the quarterback right now. Joe about, Flacco? Yep. Super Bowl winner, elite Joe Flacco, quarterbacking the Jets right now. Is this a situation where Joe Flacco is a veteran, a guy you can count on to win you two games without Zach Wilson, and do you not rush this? Well, we'll see, right? Because we talked about this. I don't think the clock is on Joe Douglas for I, until after next season. After Salah. I think honest. yeah, well, and again, you know, I think he second would get he would get a chance to hire a second coach, but I do believe it would be not until after the 2023 season would we start hearing necessarily the fire Joe Douglas chance. Uh so, you know, it's just a tough situation, right? I I would if the guy's healthy, right? How in the NFL are you supposed to sit there and basically say we're scared of your defense, so we're not bringing our quarterback back? I just, it is tough. I think Flacco He's can hold down the fort. Yeah, he, he he better not go. He better not try to scramble or run anywhere. Uh, he'll be in trouble. But it, uh, Joe and I just don't know, right? Because they open with the Ravens, then Cleveland, then Pittsburgh. There's not really a defense. I guess if you have to split hairs, I bring them back against the Cleveland defense. But we've seen what Miles Garrett does to quarterbacks with and without a helmet on. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's it's one of those things where it just, it, there's not an easy game where you say, oh, we're playing the Jaguars. We'll bring them back then. So we'll see. And Zach Wilson, again, happy for him that it's not an ACL tear. 
and that it's just a quick trim of the meniscus, and that he'll be back soon. Now, the Zach Wilson injury famously comes from the preseason, a little scramble yep. he did there trying to compensate for his pick, I believe. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on the preseason? I know it got reduced out of three games. I know NFL, some players in the NFL wanted it to be two. What do you think? What, is the preseason a dying art, or what's going on here? I think it is, Jolan. I think it's run its course. I actually wrote an article about it in the Warwick Valley Dispatch. If anybody's up in that area, you can definitely grab a paper and read my article. Jolan, I, I personally am at the point where I'd scrap the whole thing. Uh, they'll never do it because it's too much money, and they'll probably tack on more regular season games for it. But, I, yeah, I mean, two, two is probably the best, I would say. But again, like even if you go to one, you just play your starters for the first half, that's it, and then you're ready to go for the season. You know, I it's it's run its course on me, Jolan. I, I know the ticket prices are cheaper. I know, you know, you can go with a hundred more friends than you can a regular season game, but it's just not worth it anymore. Not for these guys. We've seen some huge injuries in the past. Uh, I wrote about that this week. It's just it can't be worth it for these teams. I, I think they should go to more joint practices where they can control the environment just a little bit better uh, than they can in a game situation. Now, do you think preseason is a dying art because of all the development in the offseason work, all of the scouting, all of the NFL draft work? Do you think we right now we kind of have a clear consensus of who's going to be playing and who's not, or is the preseason something we need just to see what guys can bring to the table? I Joel, on it, for me, it's not even that. It's, it's actually going the other way. And I think it's that we've learned that a bad September isn't going to destroy teams. You can come back from a 2-2 two and two month. You can come back from a 1-3 month. You can come back from an awful September because the season is so long. So for me, I'm not necessarily worried about my guys being rusty out there the first couple weeks because we can still overcome it in the NFL today. So that's why I would get rid of it. But, yeah, I mean, so much scouting, so much film and practice – you know who your fifty-three guy, your fifty-three guys are, and again, if you got to get them out and compete, go to a joint practice. I think the joint practices need to crack down on fighting uh, a little bit more. We saw an unfortunate incident between the Panthers and the Patriots this past week, Jolan, that leaked into the stands and actually hurt a fan. Uh, the lady, I believe, is said to be okay, but. You can't like that. Bad answer, lady. Hurt your back a little bit. Next week, you know, it's the NFL we're dealing with. <laughs> but uh, I think those are environments where they can control that a little bit better, uh, necessarily than these preseason games. And you know, all for what? You know, the Giants aren't going to play. They may pl- not play Daniel Jones against the Bengals because they're on their sixth center. Like, why do I want to watch the six string? I mean, I would because it's the offensive line, but. The casual fan doesn't want to watch the six-string offensive lineman. Like, they want to see, you know, Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau and all these guys play, you know, a good amount. But I, I just think, Jolan, it's 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 far beyond what we need it to be anymore. And, and these guys are ready to go. And like I said, you can afford to struggle in September. You know, you're not going to lose your audience in September. So... Uh, it's it, it's time for the preseason to go. And that basically wraps up the NFL for this episode. Obviously, we'll get into more next week. Um, let's switch over to the MLB, a little change of pace. Obviously, heading into the end of August, where things start to get super interesting around the league. Some clear-cut division leaders, some races a little bit tighter than they should be. What's going on around the, around the league? And let's start with the Yankees. Yeah, Joel, on the Yankees are... are I, I want to put this kindly, because I still, I still think they'll find... Something and I think they'll still win the AL East, but they're just not playing good baseball right now. Uh, that's 
as straightforward and as PG-rated as I can give it to you. And Aaron Boone's fighting for his job, and you can see it every press conference when he's slamming the tables and everything like that. Aaron Boone doesn't react for that. There's desperation, man. His job is on the line. If they collapse, Jolan, and again, I told you, I don't think they will. I, I don't think they fully, I don't think they lose that division. Blue Jays are coming. But if they do, he is the first one gone. I think second might be Brian Cashman right behind him. But the first guy out the door is Aaron Boone. He's gone. He's gone if they collapse. Here's my defense to Cashman. Sure. been doing this a long time. Put together a bunch of championship teams. His, like, line of defense right now with the Steinbrenners is so much more solid than Aaron Boone's is. Because, like, Cashman can point to Aaron Boone and go, that's the guy. This is our reason why we're not performing well. I gave you a good roster the first half of the year. See you later. That's why I think Cashman's okay. Because he did put together a winning roster on paper. This does come down to Aaron Boone. Right, right. So... If I'm the Steinbrenners, here's what I say. I've given you 13 years to put a championship team together. And the problem, Joel, on this team, we talked about it when the season first started. This team was a flawed baseball team because they relied on the home run ball way too much. And their starting pitching, despite the record pace they were on, was never going to be able to keep up what they had done in that first part of the season. They were ridiculously good. The bullpen was about as locked down as you could find in baseball. Play homes. But everything comes back. Everything regresses to the mean at a certain point. And so, you know, I, I've seen press conferences going on with these Yankees, and some of them are like, well, yeah, we just got to, you know, or uh, some writers, and they're like, oh, the home runs will come back. Well, you shouldn't be banking on that because we know in October you have to be able to win games without the home run ball. You have to be able to... Squeeze bunt. You have to be able to suicide squeeze bunt. You have to be able to steal bases. You have to be able to do these things that they're just not doing right now. You have to be able to not get caught on the base path, which I'm seeing a lot from the Yankees. Which has been concerning. Substantial amount. And they're limping with their starting rotation. I know they got rid of Jordan Montgomery because he wasn't going to pitch in the postseason. But, heck, you could use him and go to a six-man rotation right now. Get Garrett Cole, get Nestor Cortez an extra day of rest. I mean, damn, how about your boys? You know, Montas could use an extra day of rest. He hasn't been great, Jolan. He was the big starting pitcher that they brought in because they couldn't get Luis Castillo. I mean, it, it just really hasn't it hasn't clicked yet. You know, and again, there's still 40 games left in the season, but there's also only 40 games left in the season. So it's got to happen quick. It's got to happen in September. They're going to get to a lighter schedule. They go on a light West Coast road trip. Uh, where they got to play the A's and the uh, um, Angels. So, you know, hopefully a get-right series. And, Jolan, you never – this is the weird part about baseball. The Yankees see DeGrom and Scher- or Scherzer and DeGrom pitching against them in the Subway Series this week. Baseball is just such a funky sport. You just never know. You just never – that could be their get-right games. They could break out when they're facing two of the better pitchers in baseball, one who I think is far and superior the best pitcher in baseball – but only making his, you know, fourth start off the IL for a year. So it's just, uh, Joel, they they got to be better, man. They have to be better, and I, I think they will. I think they'll find it, but I don't know. A lot of people not looking highly upon this team to make a deep October run like we all took to the took to the bank back in May and June and even July. You think the Blue Jays catch this team? I don't. I don't. The Blue Jays have had – this opportunity before. Um, Joel, on this Yankees slump has really been since the All-Star break. Okay, so 
where were the Blue Jays since then, right? They're, they they now can, quote, get hot because they're playing them head-to-head. But when you're not playing them head-to-head, you got to be able to gain games. So, and they haven't been able to do that. That's why I think even if it gets to six, five, four, I think the Yankees eventually, uh, you know, flex their muscle a little bit, get back to being the Bronx Bombers who we all know them to be. Uh, and they take the AL East. Uh, let's switch boroughs right now from the Bronx to Queens. The Mets are dealing themselves with some injuries, maybe a little slide. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, the Mets, you know, they lost. So they had that four-game series in against the Braves. Carlos Carrasco goes in game one, pitches two innings, lets up three runs in two innings. Rain delay, comes back after the rain delay. Boom, oblique strain. Next night, Tomo Walker, hey, you got to go deep. Bullpen needs you to go deep. He, after two innings, has back spasms and a bulging disc in his back, so that's obviously an issue. Uh, so the Mets lost their starters after two innings in each of the first two games of that series. Come back, Scherzer wins one because he's Max Scherzer. Then DeGrom gets locked in a battle with Freed uh, in, the, in the fourth game. Mets lose that one on a play that just isn't acceptable, Jolon. A guy cannot hit a single up the middle and score from first. That cannot happen. That can't happen at Little League levels. That can't happen in the majors. Uh, that's a whole completely different. But then they go play the Phillies for four games in 48 hours, uh, which is just a ridiculous stretch. They had Trevor Williams pitched one, David Peterson pitched one, and Jose Buto pitched another one. I mean, Jolan, we've got probably, if we got 100 listeners an episode, 99 of them are going to say who to all three of those guys. You know, Bassett went on Friday. They beat Nola and Zach Wheeler. So they guarantee themselves at least a split coming out of Philly, Jolan. The Mets are just trying to get to Wednesday after the Yankee series because they get a day off. Then they play the Rockies. The Bra- the Dodgers come to town a week from Wednesday. So And then it gets easier. And then it gets easier in September, right? So that, you know, this is this is a time for the Mets to just continue to fight through. I believe they played the NL East in 15 of their last 18 games. At the end of the Yankee series, they will have played 21 games in 20 days. So this team's been running back and forth. And you mentioned the injuries. Even Tomas Nito's on the COVID IL, so he's been out. Escobar goes to the IL. Brett Beatty comes up. He's been great. Uh, by the way, Guillaume gets hurt. He's going to be sidelined for a while. So a lot going on, Jalan, and it's just you got to fight through. And we've seen, you know, we know about the collapses. We've been there before, you know, and – our buddy Zach Kruk and I were talking yesterday about 07. And they lost a seven-game lead with 17 games to go. That was one of the first years I remember. That was right after the year before. Beltran gets caught looking in the NLCS at home in game seven. Um, but, yeah, so we've been there before. We we know what that's like. This team, Jolan, it's just they're going to keep fighting. They're going to keep clawing. Walker looks like he's going to come back. It looks like they'll get him a couple extra days rest. He'll go Thursday. Uh, and then piece together the rest between Williams and Peterson instead of stretching those two out to two two of their own starts, if that makes any sense. You mentioned famous collapses. Oh, God. Suddenly it gets kind of eerie. The Braves are only three games back in this team, and you gave me a stat. Since June 1st, they're 52-20, and 45-13 and 13 against everybody else, but only 5-7 and seven against the Mets. Does this Braves three-game deficit strike fear into you. This tells me we're the only ones with the huevos to be able to take these guys on. Um, but no, Jolan, listen, it, the crazy part is, and this feels a lot like the NL West last year. If you remember, Juggernaut. the Dodgers and the Giants had to go to, 
think they both won 105 games. Didn't they go to a game off? I think they went to a game 163. Yep. We know that game 163 doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it will go off of run differential, I believe, is what they is what they said. But Joel, it has that kind of feel like this division. The Mets, I think, I think they said they just got to play, you know, 540 ball the rest of the way, and they get to 100 wins. You know, it, it, think about it. They got to win 23 of their last 40 games. You know, to go to to win a hundred games, Against which seems like the Pirates, the Cubs. Yep, which is only which has only been done in franchise history three other times. So, this team is accomplishing something special, Jolan, and I don't want people to lose sight on it because I do think, regardless, the, the division would be great because they'll be the two seed, which would be awesome. They'll get a first round bye uh, and all that stuff. Do not look down upon this team if they become a wild card team because of that starting pitching. How they're built for October is substantially different than the team we're talking about in the other borough. This Mets team is built with starting pitching and winning via small ball with Buck is much different heading into October than I think the pinstripes cross cross town. So you believe the Braves do overtake us? It isn't a loss of the season. It's more of a this is as good as we are, as good as the Braves are. Come up. Well, think about it, Joel. On that wild card round is the best of three. Best three, you got to win two games. We got Max Scherzer and Jacob Grom going in that series. Um, I would be fearful for anybody. You know what I mean? So I think if you're the Mets, you can't. You you can. You can be pissed off, whatever. But the Braves are playing exceptional baseball. They're the they're the defending champs for a reason, Jolan. And I would even argue that at least to this point in the season, they're even better than they were last year. And that's scary because they won the World Series. I mean, they got R.I.J. back. And they got Soroka. Mike Soroka is coming back. Was one of their better pitchers two years ago. Uh, and then I think I, I think he had he had Tommy John. Uh, and, and he's coming back now. He's in AAA. He'll come in for the stretch run. So don't panic if the Braves overtake the Mets. It's still the Mets will still get there. Uh, they'll still be in the playoffs. And they'll still have, you know, a great chance to advance and go deep. And, Joel, you look at it on the other side. of the, We're talking about other sides of coins. Teams oftentimes don't like a buy because they can get rusty. If the Mets keep playing, they get in that wild card round. They get healthy here. Get hot, maybe. You, know, you just never know. And you're right. These, this September with the Nationals, the Marlins, the Cubs, the Pirates twice, those are series, Joel, maybe one or two of them you win two or three you got to sweep series like that. You have to be able to win three games in a row against these garbage opponents. You have to be able to do it, especially at home. The Mets are 40-19 and 19 at home this year. They've been really awesome. Undefeated as I've showed up. Well, in 40-19, Joel, and that's 59, and there is uh, there's 40 games left in the season. So if you do the math on that one, that would be the Mets have 22 home games left of their – of their 40. So they're going to get to the confines of City Field. And, you know, you just never know. You just never know. Maybe the Braves hit a rough patch. Maybe Acuna stops acting like a great baseball player, which he's he's phenomenal. I'm tired. He's a Mets killer. That's why I'm saying that. You know, hopefully he comes back down to earth. And hopefully they lose a couple games here and there, especially when Spencer Strider pitches. Nonetheless, Jolan, you get what I'm saying. I think if you're the Mets, you're still – Built for October, and you're still ready to go. That's basically all the notes for this episode. Anything off the top of your head? Anything you want to talk about? No, I can't really think of anything else, Joel. Nothing new in the NBA. Nothing new on the Kevin Durant front. Uh, it looks like Donovan Mitchell talks may heat up here. 
uh, in the next couple weeks. Danny Ainge starts Boy, answering the phone. The maybe they had a drought in uh, in Utah with cell service, so maybe. I'm a C's guy, but Nick's <laughs> relevance is good for the NBA. It's yeah, for it. and you know what? It's fun. So you know, you can only hope that that deal gets done. Um, I, there's not too much else, Joel. On you know, you had you had some of the guys are doing these pro ams now. We're seeing more NBA guys get involved in the pro ams. A lot of fun. Jolan, next week we got to talk a lot about college football. College football is back next week. There are some massive games the following week on Labor Day weekend that we have to talk about with massive college football playoff implications. Uh, the Big Ten just struck a TV deal for eight, $8 billion. Oh, uh, 2029 college football season. With Fox, NBC, and CBS. ESPN gets left out on that one. We'll see where they go from there. Uh, Jolan, but other than that, I can't really think of anything else. Where can the people reach you? So the people can always reach me. You guys can always reach out at Goose on the Mic on Instagram and Twitter. So we uh, that's, that's going to be it. Episode 65, the Damian Woody episode. Damien, you know, I'm going to tag you on Twitter. If you get a chance to listen to this thing, man, I really appreciate it. So, uh, all the love, Damien Woody. Jolan, where might the people be able to find you and or the podcast? Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Air It Out or on Instagram at Air It Out Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Good Old Joel's. Any questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, you can feel free to reach us out on those. And yeah, we ramp up soon. Football yeah. Starting, college football starting. Reach out if you want to be a guest on the show. You know somebody who should be a guest on the show. You know, if you want to work with us, you know, do our social media, whatever, you know, whatever you guys want to do, you just reach out to us. We're uh, good dudes from what I from what I would imagine our community thinks so. So, Joel, that's going to do it for episode 65. Until episode 66, until the first weekend of college football. Somebody put the Braves down. Put it in the books.